join us September 25th, 26th, and 27th for a three-day special streaming event, Strange Realities, to push the limits of your reality. Featuring authors, academics, researchers, occultists, experiencers, podcasters, and practitioners. All presenting fresh cutting-edge material and research. Streaming live. Featuring presentations by Brent Rains, editor of Alternate Perceptions Magazine. Aaron Gullius, host of the Saucer Life Podcast. David Metcalf, writer and researcher. Alan Greenfield, author of Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. Stephanie Quick, writer and blogger. Red Pill Junkie, 14, researcher and explorer. Tim Banal, host of Banal of America. Guy Malone, iconoclast and troublemaker. Timothy Ritter, host of Strange Familiars. Kiki Dombrowski, author and practitioner. Greg Bishop, author of Project Beta. Junie Ashford, host of 13 O'Clock. Recluse, host of The Farm. Jack Montgomery, Folk Magic. Joshua Cutchin, author of Thieves in the Night. Reverend Michael Carter, alien contact experiencer. Dr. Future, host of Future Quake. Tony Kale, author of Memphis Hoodoo. Rin Collinger, occultist. Soraya Ascap, host of Where Did the Road Go? John Tinney, Ghost Stalkers and Hell. All three days, only $20. Tickets and info available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Brought to you by the Conspiranormal Podcast. Conspiranormal.com. Strange realities. Well, it is great to have you back on the show. I mean, it's been since 2013. 2014. Yeah, I think something like that. And I think we've yeah. kind of like circled around each other since then, and uh, we we've already started. So, um, I guess really to to tell you the truth, Olaf, I really just kind of wanted to start, just like what uh, what's been going on with you in the last six years, and we'll 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 get into <laughs> some other esoteric kind of subjects, but uh, I, I kind of want to get a get an update on some of the secret space program stuff, if there is any. And uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Just have a cool conversation. You know, you know, um, in the, about 2014, I just I decided to kind of kind of lay off a little bit and to go a bit underground and and just do my stuff, do my research, um, because you know you look at the range of, of conspiracy people or UFO people, 14 people, whatever. You know, I'm I'm not on the spectrum that is driven by by writing books and making money. You know, I, I do this because I like it, and I do this because it's an obsession and it's my life. Yeah. And so I decided that to really hunker down and to focus on my research. And so you know, that's what I did. Um, I started to evolve and go in more of a 14 direction. Um, I've always believed that. Most of the UFOs that we see are human. I mean, I wrote a damn book about it. Um, but I think most of what we see is human. And I started to focus on that. But the stuff that we don't see is human. It's like, what are we really dealing with here? Are we dealing with aliens? You know, coming from Zeta Reticuli? Or, you know, what's actually going on? And in the, in the intervening time, um, a couple of years ago, you know, there was a show that came out called Hellier. And at the time... I, you know, between, say, 20, 2014 and, say, 2018, right, most of what I did was was just watching because 2014 to 2018 was a very interesting period of time. And so I was doing a lot of watching and, and thinking. And it's, as a conspiracy researcher, it's good to stop and watch a thing, right? 
that you, you know you can't because conspiracy theory in general is a reactive state. You yeah. can't really be proactive and be a conspiracy theorist. It is a purely reactive environment. So I'm watching and learning and watching because things were adapting, and I was trying to understand how they were adapting. But but in twenty around 2018, um, the show called Hellier came on. And, um, you know, I, I resisted it because I thought it was about uh, Paul Hellier. And I was like, I'm not watching <laughs> anybody who could be the Minister of Defense in Canada and not know anything about UFOs or at least unidentified objects. He's lying or he's an idiot. I mean, it's one of the other, you know, there's no in between here. So I'm really, you know, I was really over the whole Paul Hellier thing. And I really just put a lot of stock and faith in it. Interesting so, that you, you know, thought of friends, it that way. That's interesting. Yeah. And so my friends kept telling me, you got to watch the show Hellier. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm really over it. I don't want to deal with it. Watching Paul Hellier cavort around and tell everybody he doesn't know anything, but this is his opinion. It doesn't really do it for me. And then one day um, in 20, 2019, um, a friend of mine named Taylor, uh, and he's a, he's a big fan of your show. He, um, he's like, he calls me up. He's like, dude, you got to watch this show. And I'm like, what show? He's like, you got to watch this show, Hellier. And again, I went into the normal highway. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not watching Paul Hellier. I'm over it. <laughs> and, he, you know, if, if he was the Minister of Defense of Canada and he didn't know about UFOs or at least unidentified objects penetrating the airspace, he's either an idiot or he's lying, right? And, and he's like, no, you dumbass. <laughs> it's, it's about Hellier, Kentucky. I'm all, oh, okay. It's like, it's and you're, and you're like, where? where? <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, it's, about, it's Kentucky Goblin. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch it then. So um, in, in the meantime, since well, way back, um, I had published a book written by um, Alan Greenfield called The Complete Cipher of the UFO Notch. And I actually published the the Complete Cipher of the UFO Knots, I publish The Secret Cipher of the UFO Knots, and I publish The Secret Rituals of Men in Black. Those two, those two books were pushed together. We, Alan and I re-edited it to make the two books one, which was always his intent. And, you know, in the, it's a somewhat esoteric book, so it, it was never like a barn burner or a seller. I just, I really yeah. sold it because I like Alan, and I liked what he did, and I'm very interested in the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis. And, you know, I always was trying to make the damn, uh, the damn cipher work. And, you know, it's fascinating, so I just published it. And one day, and I think about 2017, 2018, actually, the, the book started to sell a lot more. And Alan and I were, we were perplexed. And, you know, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not doing anything. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing anything. You know, because... As you guys are probably aware, buying advertising for esoteric subjects, you know, books about esoteric subjects or podcasts or radio shows, videos, the advertising doesn't really do much. So, you know, we don't right. really heavily advertise it. <laughs> and then, you know, my friend Taylor's like, you got to watch the show. So I watch it. And in the first 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, that's the secret site for the UFO nuts. I published that. And so I paused the thing on, on Amazon, and I called up Alan. I'm like, Alan, I think I understand why you're selling more books now. And, and when I watched it, um, middle of last year, when I watched it, 
uh, that's when um, stuff really came unglued. And that, that has completely changed everything. So. How, how, so how do you think that it's changed everything? I mean, I kind of have my own ideas about it, but... Because, I mean, it is a very interesting series, and, you know, of course, the Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts figures pretty prominently in it. Yes, it does. Um, well, how does it change everything for other people, or how does it change everything for me? How does it change everything for you? And I, I guess we can we can work it to we can work it to other people too. I mean, I started to have the synchronicity. Okay. Um, nine, the number nine, the number ninety three started to follow me. I'm a I'm a big road tripper, right? Because I'm a fortune, so I I go seek stuff out. You know, last uh, two weeks ago, I was on Mount Shasta with a, with my son and a friend of mine, and we were attempting to generate a CE5 event, which we were successful, you know, and, and um, you know, so I went to Shasta for the weekend to try to see UFOs on one million. So I'm, I'm constantly out trying to find stuff. And I started to, to see where I, um, I would go to a Best Western is my favorite. I would, because before COVID, they had the best waffles ever. Um, <laughs> because they had this waffle machine, Oh my God, the waffle machine is the best. Well, anyway, I would get room three three three. Okay. Ninety three. Right. I I would I would buy gas and I would my bill would be ninety three dollars. I would uh, get a lottery ticket, even though you know I, I know I'm not going to win. You know, every once in a while it's fun. I get a lottery ticket. I win eighteen dollars three times. Um, one night when it really started to get bad, one night uh, I was sleeping. And my phone dialed uh, a friend of mine in Canada who has a radio show. Um, his name is Dave Scott. And um, I called his phone while I was sleeping. My phone called his phone at 3.33 in the morning three times. And he, he had quite an experience the third time when he picked it up. And that culminated in me and Greenfield getting on the phone with him and, and a, a remote viewer sensitive empath that he knew. And actually, I'm making contact with the, the, I forget the exact term for it, but it's like the inner council, which is this this group that sits below the, the uh, secret chiefs of the third order. So the secret chiefs of the third order very rarely interface with people. So there's a group under them that is usually the interface. And so we actually talked to one of those people, and Alan was able to identify who we were talking to based on the description that the, uh, that the psychic gave him. So that's, that's when it got really crazy, and it's just gotten crazier from there. I mean, I've, I've found balloons. You know, you, you watch the show, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've watched the whole thing, both both seasons. I found balloons. Um, the balloons were followed by um, interesting events. Uh, I was driving somewhere with a friend of mine. My friend saw the green man emerge out of a tree. And then the next day, we found a secret altar to a to a secret chief in a metaphysical bookstore. I mean, it's just it goes on and on, and and it's culminated actually in um, in me cracking the the Enochian cipher. Um, well, I guess what I call euphemistically the Enochian cipher, um, and Greenfield and I are perplexed by it. Mm-hmm. 
when Alan Greenfield is perplexed by something, when Alan bleepity bleep bleep Greenfield is, is <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's when you have to step back and go, you know what, <laughs> something's going on. So since I since I, I cracked it, I've been trying to uh, experiment with it and understand it, see where it goes. So that, that kind of brings you up to date. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I can tell you that um, in my own <laughs> life, I don't, it's not as much like the number 93, even though we did kind of have a weird experience with it. Um, in my own life, I had like a lot of weird synchronicities kind of even leading up to even like watching Hellier and mm-hmm. weird synchronicities that had to do with the secret cipher. And this is before I even watched Hellier. And I knew that the secret cipher had something to do with Hellier, but I wasn't quite sure until I watched it. See, I didn't watch the the first season until the second season came out. Okay. Because I don't know whether it was just like I wasn't interested or whether it was just like uh, I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon or what it was. But for some reason, I just didn't watch the or just didn't have plain time. I didn't watch the uh, I didn't watch the the first season till. I guess what it was, last November or December. So, um, but you know, with the 93 thing, we kind of had the weird synchronicity where <laughs> we got, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings and we got sat on uh, two different occasions and we got sat at the table 93 twice, which I know you've seen that picture. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I uh, a, couple, a couple of friends of mine. Because once it, once you get on the train, see the the way that it's it was described to me is that you you're, you get on the train, and once you get on the train, it's it's snow piercer baby, it doesn't stop, mm-hmm. and you can't you can't get off. Sometimes it'll slow down, sometimes it'll speed up, but once you're on the train, it doesn't stop. And, you know, I had some friends, and, and they were interested in it, and I kind of explained to them what was going on. And they were having a barbecue, like a fam- just a family barbecue, right? And they went they went to the um, to the store and bought food, and the bill was $93.93. <laughs> I was talking to Greenfield last night about the Enochian Cypher and what, what all I'm doing with it, and, you know, suggestions or whatever. Because, I mean, obviously he's... You know, in this in this kind of situation, I mean, he's he's my mentor, right? He's the one with the arcane knowledge that I'm still trying to learn. And so I I routinely call him and we discuss it and kind of come up with ideas because I mean, he doesn't know what to make of it. We're just trying to figure it out, you know. And and he was actually when I called him, he was doing he was balancing his checkbook. You know, it's funny people think that like you're a conspiracy nut and like you don't. You know, you don't have a checkbook, or you don't watch television, and you live in this bunker in the middle of a field. You know, it's like, no, I've got a checkbook. You know, I watch very cool. You know, I'm a normal person. Well, anyway, he was balancing his checkbook, and when he hit the when he hit the equal key, right as I called, the the total amount was ninety three. <laughs> really? Ninety three. Yeah. <laughs> so did did this lead to a, a increased uh, interest or renewed interest in Thelema itself? I don't think I don't think that it's led to an interest in Thelema because the although the national for you the new, oh for me mm-hmm. initially yes 
Initially, it did. So my most of my life, I've researched bulimia and I've researched occultism in general. Um, I never really did anything about it. I was a book learner. I just read the stuff and read the stuff and read the stuff and read the stuff and read the stuff, read the stuff until the synchronicity started. And once the synchronicity started, you know, fundamentally you're using the, the NAC cipher, the secret cipher the UFO not, um, the NAC cipher, star cipher, star six cipher, whatever you want to call it. And you are using the Book of Law uh, written by Crowley. Well, it was dictated to Crowley by Iowa. So you're using a you're using a cipher built into the, the this Crowley book, and you're using the Crowley book to generate lists of words, and then you're using intuition and metaphysical feeling, shall we say, to decipher what it's trying to say. Because as you guys are probably aware, when you when you run stuff through the cipher, what you get back is is um it's um metaphorical. Right. It's not literal. Right. It's you know, it's metaphors. So you're trying to you can see like which way the words are going. Are they positive words? Are they negative words? I mean on some occasions you'll get statements like I had a friend, um, I was friends with her brother uh, in high school and he committed suicide and she missed him very badly. And so one day this mysterious photo of a plant shows up on her phone and you know, I, I don't know how it got there, she didn't know. Um, she finally looked up the name of the plant. It was like the Song of India or something like that. And so I put it into the cipher, and in the middle of, of the output of the cipher, what I intentioned when I did it, because, you know, the way you kind of do it is you have something in your mind, so you are you have the intention of asking a question, and then you're putting, like, keywords, or you can put in the question, and then you get these results. Well, the way I had always done it was you have the intention in your mind, and then you put in some keywords. And so I had the intention in my mind is, who put this there? And then I typed out the name of the plant, the Song of India. And halfway through the results, it said, I love you. I put it there. And two separate lines, one on top of another. One line said, I love you. And the second line said, I put it there. Mm. So sometimes you do, you do get literal results, but it's, it's very rare. And it's something, but, um, that it's, it's something in that case that is meaningful. There is all what I found, and I, I was, I'm a part of a tarot group on Facebook. My, my friend, um, Natalie, she made a, a tarot deck called Tarot Mood. It's really funny. It's kind of a little inappropriate, but it's super funny. And so she asked me to be in the group, and I'm in there, and I, I'm surrounded by tarot card readers, and I don't know how to do tarot to save my life, right? Too much memorization. So one day, they're all giving each other free readings, and I'm feeling really bad. I'm like, you know, I can't give you a free reading because I don't know what this is. You know, every time they'd ask me a question, How do, what card represents your life? I'm like, the Empress. You know, what card did you get this morning when your car broke down? The Empress. And then I was like, always my answer because it's funny. But I decided to do cipher readings. And I think I did about 40 or 50 of them. And one for one, 100%, um, I nailed it, and there was always something meaningful in the result. Like, I could interpret it, but I couldn't see something that would be meaningful to you, right? But sure. every time, somebody, somebody found something meaningful, and it was, it was the name of a town they lived in. It was something that somebody used to tell them. You know, it was, a, it was like a, a pet name for something. There was always something in it that they were like, oh, my God, that made total offense to them. So, you know, it, it can be used like that. 
Um, and then so it's but, it's evolved past using just the Book of the Law as a source to run the cipher through, right? You guys are starting to to do it with other with other works, and wh- how is that evolving well, for your, your practice of using this? Well, so originally, way back in the day, there was a there was a lodge. It was called the QBLH Lodge, and there was a guy there was a guy in there that wrote a program um, called the Lexicon. And basically, what the Lexicon allowed you to do is to run the, the Star Six cipher, the secret cipher of the UFO knot, against multiple books one at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was like a DOS program. I mean, you know, basic, written in basic, real simple thing. And so they they would use this program in DOS to, uh, to compare it against the Book of the Law or you know some of the other books that Crowley had written. Well, so for me, you know, I obviously did the same thing. I've run it against the Bible. I've run it against the um, what's the Discord principle of Discordia. Mm-hmm. Um, oh really? <laughs> I've run it. Against, oh yeah, uh, that one's weird. When you run against the principle of Discordia, it still works, but it's really strange. <laughs> Naturally, yeah, yeah, hey, But when <laughs> when I um, the story of how I how I broke the Enochian cipher is really funny. But once I broke the Enochian cipher, and I started running the Enochian cipher through the um, through the Book of Law, the results changed, and it actually got really weird. It got really really weird. And so now at this point, um, I'm. I'm not, no longer using the Crowley derivative works. I'm actually running it through John D. So. Okay. So is that kind of going back to the source, you feel like? Yes. And the way that I got there is that I ran a, I ran a message. So in the Enochian cipher, you literally type in the question. Right. And names work. And I think I typed in, I forget what I typed in, but I think I typed in like John D. or something. And um, the result was effectively don't oh yeah I typed in John D using the Enochian cipher against the book of law right and basically basically the results said don't trust anything that Crowley wrote <laughs> it quite literally said don't trust anything that Crowley wrote use John D or use D as a source hmm. well, well I, I should send you guys some of the results they're, they're insane they're yeah please do bonkers. Yeah, it's and some of them are highly personal. Like they're not. It's not metaphorical. Like in one, um, one I did recently, I I was engage, trying to engage the the secret chiefs of the third order, and I forget what I put in there, but I, the result was something to the effect of, um, what did it say? It said the, oh yeah, I I said something like, is this the secret chiefs of the third order? Question mark. The question mark doesn't matter. It's removed, right? It's more just you know for your own edification. And um, I should I should find it. But the the I said you know is this the secret chief to the third order? And the the response was something to the effect of yes, it is a secret chief of the third order. And if you follow the journey, you will be rewarded with arts and rewards. If you if you follow the book of law, it literally said the book of law. It said if you follow the book of law, you will perish. Or followers followers of the book of law will not find rewards and will perish or will 
will die or will perish like flies in the dirt. So were you using, were, for the for what you were using for the cipher, were you using the Book of the Law, or were you using something else? I was using, um, what was I using for that one? I used the, I used the Book of the Law for that one. Okay. And, and when, and then, and then it said, when it say, it said, um, follow, follow the journey. Don't be, don't be distracted by by drunkenness, women, or hair. Or <laughs> our, our hair. Okay. Hair. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'll tell you why that's interesting. Oh, no, okay. you know what? I wasn't. I was using, I was using one of John D's books. I was using the, oh, what's it called? The, um, the name of it. It's the big one, the thick one. Um, they comprise the five books of Nokia Magic. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was using that. Sorry. I'm trying to remember what it, what it came out with and where I got it at the same time. I document all this stuff. <laughs> then I forget it when I come on your show and come with a moron. But, um, and then it said, um, there's a, there's a, a, a space that's, that's, uh, clear, third of forest that's six by two feet. And there's another, another space not far away. And so the reason that that was interesting is because obviously it's, it's saying, you know, don't, don't follow the book of the law. You're going to end up like a fly and dirt. And then it's going on to say, you know, don't be distracted by drunkenness, women and hair. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a person and, and I'm a no, normal person. And I like to go have a few drinks with my friends. I don't drink excessively, but on occasion, if I'm talking conspiracy stuff or whatever, I'll, I'll have a few and mm-hmm. have a few my ties and, you know, get a, get a little, a little uh, floppy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm like any, any single guy I like, you know, I think women are great. And I had just gone on a date with a woman. And one of the things that perplexed me about her that made her interesting to me was the way that she, she did her hair. Okay. And so then I get this result and the, and the reference to the hair was a direct reference to a date that I had gone on like five days before, four days before. That's so, what I mean about the Anokian Cypher. It's in real time. So basically, it was telling you, don't continue with this woman. I mean, it was like, do you think that that's what yeah. it was telling you? Okay. Yeah, it was. It was saying because a previous one had actually told me, don't worry about. It. We know your love life sucks. Don't worry about it. We got that. Just focus on the cipher. That was literally a message that I got. Huh. I know it's weird because when you use the secret cipher, you know, Alan will tell you. Don't put in names because certain you know names don't work. Put in locations, put in keywords, whatever, but names don't work. And the the stuff you get back from it is highly it's highly metaphorical. Well, you use the Enochian cipher, it is not metaphorical, man. It is bang on. It's it's almost li- it's it a literal. On. It's literal. The huh. only thing that happens is is that what you get is a series of words, and the words are are slightly out of sequence. And so you have to kind of put the words back in the sequence and put in the, uh, maybe you have to put in an if. But in general, all the ifs, does, a's, where's, those are all in there. It just has to be rearranged to make sense. And so the only part that's a bit of, a bit scrying is to, is to rearrange the words slightly so it's readable. But when you get it out, you can read it. It just, it's not like good, it's readable. It's a little jumbled, but you, 
You can make sense of it. So what I do is I do it in three phases. I get the words in raw form. Then I organize them into a readable form. And then I would, which I call um, readable. And then the final is where I go through and I, I kind of polish it a little bit to make it human readable. But it, the essence is there from when it's raw. And the way I caught it, this is really funny. The way I caught it is that I was on a conference call and I was curious. And I'm on this conference call and I'm a bit, you know, a bit bored. And so I, I um, decided to change the program to use a 24-character alphabet versus a 26 because the Anokian alphabet is 24. And I ran through the book of law because that seems to be what you do. And, and I got back this result. And I sent it to a friend of mine who's a musician. And she said that it seemed like a poem. And that's not something you ever get with the secret type of the UFO not. Mm. But it was readable, and it seemed like a poem, which meant to me that it had an underlying structure. And I thought to myself, well, if it's not readable, I wonder if it's double encrypted. Because Dean himself, I mean, you know, he was the court astrologer that was the first. You know, he was a, he was a spy. He was an alchemist. Mm-hmm. He was always saying right. what he was was extreme, extremely paranoid. And he was well-known for double ciphering his stuff. So for whatever reason, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to use a skip cipher. It works in the Bible code. So I used the skip cipher. I counted every 11th word because 11 is the number of magic. D would have known that. And, that's, and then suddenly I got back something that is almost, it's almost like getting a grade A EVP. If you ever got that EVP where you're out in the graveyard and the EVP is like, hey, dude, how's it going? sure it was like it was it was literal it was apparent it was like a it was like a direct communication yeah and it's so and so you know i told greenfield i said you know i feel like i'm like way out there right and and greenfield was like well do you feel like you're way out there on a limb or do you just feel like you're way out there and I said, no, I don't feel like I'm on a limb. I mean, who's going to saw it off? The saw hasn't been created for this limb yet, you know? And, and he said, he said, you are your way out. This is beyond anything that anybody's done with the cipher. And, you know, you're, you're, in, you're in new ground. I mean, I am in the undiscovered country. There's no rules because it's never been done. So why do you think it works? Do you think that it's something to do with the nature of reality, maybe? Uh, this is like showing little rips in it, or is there really something to this idea of the secret chiefs? Yeah, to add to that, yeah, the secret chiefs, but to add to that, do you think you're you're communicating with some kind of real entity? So to answer the last question first, just to make myself confusing, yeah. I think I'm dealing with a secret chief, which is a, you know, an enlightened being. Um, when you get the responses back, it's very clear that it's coming from something that understands human, human, and doesn't understand human in a abstract sense. Like when, you know, I studied anthropology. I'm probably the only conspiracy nut who actually studied, you know, culture and the evolution of culture. But one of the things that you learn in linguistics is that there we're, we're ethnocentric. Yeah. Meaning that, that, you know, there's a way we do things because that's just the human way of doing that. And in, in, in linguistics, the joke was always the aliens are going to come. 
then how do you talk to them? Because they don't have any concept of your morality. They have no concept of your, you know, they can decipher your language, but they can't decipher your humor, or they can't decipher, you know, the idioms. It's, it would be impossible for them to, to decipher humanity. They can decipher English, not human, um, because it's, it's alien. And so, you know, when you get stuff back, it's, this stuff has the touch of humanity to it. Right, so it makes me think that I'm dealing with the with the secret chiefs or a secret chief in particular. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 just kind of a weird process because you can kind of see it evolving as you're running it. As far as as far as how, why it works, you know, I read a thing once that somebody posted on Facebook, and they said, "Not all Wiccans are." are Witchcraft is not a religion, and not all Wiccans are witches, and all, not all witches are Wiccans. And if you think about that, that makes a lot of sense, right? Um, because it's very true. And not, not, all, not all people who, who investigate this kind of stuff are, are deep-rooted occultists. You know, right. I'm not a member of the OTO, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the Rosicrucian, and I'm a member because I want access to a library. <laughs> and... And I'm a member of, of the Free Illuminatus movement. Right? It's a good reason to be so, part of the Rosicrucians is to get access to the library. It makes sense. Yes, yeah, I think it's worth 150 bucks a year. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I um, so I'm not like an extreme occultist. You know, I'm not um, you know, I'm not out there in the desert trying to uh, download the whole of Babylon or. Anything like that. <laughs> You're not going full Jack, full Jack Parsons. Full Jack Parsons. No, I'm not going yeah. full Jack Parsons. But um, you know, the the way that I think about it, at, at its root, if you if you ask somebody who understands the ciphers, and there are a number of ciphers. You know, there's there's the Star Seven cipher, the Star Six cipher, the Bible code, right? There's a bunch of different ones that seem to work for some reason, and. In the case of the, the occult ones, you know, the, the logic of it is, much like Hellier, when you execute the, the cipher itself, whether you use our website, our iPhone app, or you draw, you know, you draw the Germantria 26-pointed star, however you choose to do it, the act of you doing it is tripping, it's, it's tripping something mystical. But you're, you're actually engaging in a ritual. Because you're exercising the cipher, that is by virtue engaged in a ritual. The way I like to think about it is that somewhere in the, in the deep, dark past, we actually understood how this stuff works. And, and it, to me, it's kind of a it's kind of a cop out to say, well, well, it's a ritual, right? You go on this website, you type in the stuff, you know, it does it runs a PHP script, and that PHP script executes, and then when it executes, it's engaged in the acoustic record, right? I don't know, it sounds kind of funny to me, um, but it, supposedly that's what it's doing, right? Or it's engaged in the secret chiefs or the Akashic Record or, you know, the, the, um, the global, uh, global consciousness, uh, the supermind, whatever you want to call it, um, the overmind, uh, whatever. But to me, I, the way I think of it is like Warhammer. Do you guys know Warhammer? It's a, it's a role-playing game. Warhammer, it's a role-playing game with a little figurine. So in Warhammer, right, it's in like the 56th century, 
And by then, it's totally dystopian. They have no idea how any of their, their equipment works. It's been lost. The Mechanicum, these, these groups of cyborg people from Mars have hidden it. And nobody really understands how this book works. So if you think about it in terms of starting a car, you know, you do the ritual of, of pouring the gas into the tank, right? And then you screw the thing shut, and then you walk in. And you do the litany of car starting, and, and you engage in the ritual of key insertion. You know, and then you, you engage in the ritual of key turning while, while you sing the praises of, of the great god Ford. You know, that's the way, <laughs> that's the way 40K is. Well, I think it's so, something very Yeah, from, from anthropology, that's like a, a cargo cult. Yes. I was trying not to go in a full anthro on you, but yes. This is uh, it's a, fam- yeah, yeah. a lot of people are familiar it's with that concept, cult. so yeah. To me, the way, and I was trained in anthropology, I, I went to a four-year school, you know, big university, right? And this is a classic cargo cult scenario. So we're, you know, we're going in and we're doing sacred mathematics. Well, mathematics is sacred, okay, sure, I buy that. But, you know, are you executing a ritual every time you use mathematics? The occultist will tell you yes. Mm-hmm. The mathematician will tell you no. But the mathematician also goes mad finding God in the numbers. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, the, the numbers <laughs> made him crazy. John right. Nash, you know, right. Right. game theory, the numbers made him crazy. So, you know, there's something about numbers that are that are metaphysical. But I think we use metaphysics to, to bookend the, this process that we're doing because we don't completely understand it. And so we call it occultism, you know, or sacred geometry or sacred mathematics because we're not understanding what's going on behind the scenes. For me personally, I think of it as like science. It's a form of science that we lost. And so I, I made the argument to, to Alan many times that what we're dealing with here is a lost science of some kind. And so it's, it's called engineering. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I go through and I build a website, you know, with PHP and I'm fixing the PHP code that this guy wrote, you know, like, Eight, eight years ago to get this thing to work, you know, I'm engaged in occult engineering, right? So I think of myself as more of an occult scientist or an occult engineer than an occultist because I'm not praying, I'm not praying to that, I'm not praying to Aleister Crowley. I don't right. think, you know, that IWAS is going to appear before me. And I would argue that IWAS is an interdimensional being that supports the ultra-terrestrial theory. So, you know, again, interdimensional beings, you know, that's, you're getting into the realm of science again. Right. But I see it as like a cult science. And so if this is some type of of technology, it's like it has something to do with the the fabric or nature of reality itself and and a way to manipulate it, which is what occultism is. Yes. And it's a lost science. And the reason that I, I feel even more strongly about it now is that I'm using... I'm using a book that's written in, what, 1570, 1580 by John Dee, and I'm getting back details about a piece of land I own in Oregon that, that has a, a specific spot that is literally six feet by two feet, maybe six feet by four feet, that seems to have a vortex or something on it. I'm, I'm reading this result that comes out of a book that's, you know, 500 years old that's telling, that, that describes you know, a, a date I have, I mean, it makes no sense to me. Because the thing you have to, 
reconcile is that was that message put there 400 years ago for me to find today, right, so that we're going to argue predestination, or was reality manipulated to put that message in there so that I would get it and it would make sense to me today? That really boggles the mind. <laughs> yeah, that's why the Enochian cipher is so weird. In fact, uh, you know, Alan and I talked about it, and we've decided that we're in the very early stages of writing a book to address it. Because okay. it's now transcended the secret cipher of the UFO knob. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, looking, we're looking at it. We're starting to write a book, both of us together, about what's called, what's called ciphers in general. But, you know, here's a question for you, Olaf. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, the, this concept of the third order, you know, I, this yeah. is something that I want to know more about. I'm not quite certain that I really understand it. What do you perceive that as being? So the, the secret chiefs of the third order, the third order, um, they, they are called many names, right? Where does the term third, actually, or, third, third order come from? Where, where does that term that, come from? That I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I believe it does have some origin with uh, uh, P.B. Randolph's triplicate order. Okay. Probably. But that, that part, I never, I'm still learning. But what I do, what I do know is who constitutes the third order. And one of the things, one of the things that the cipher the Enochian cipher told me in the process of exercising it was to not, I'm going to publish all these results eventually. Mm-hmm. So you can read them. But one of the things that was very clear about is to not get hung up about, about the structure. Because, you know, when you deal with occultism, right, you have a lot of people, they, you know, like the OTO, right, they've got all these ranks that you go through. And for masonry, you've got all these ranks that you go through. You have to have certain levels of knowledge to achieve certain things, right? For whatever reason, I bypassed all that. And and actually, when it happened, it was kind of funny. The one that really started, I had gone to my land. This is probably worth the story before I explain that to the chiefs. I had gone to I had gone to my my land in Oregon because I didn't know there's a spot where three logs, three trees fell. And they form a perfect square with the fourth tree missing so you can enter, right? <laughs> Inside of it, this space, it has a very strange feeling. There's like a time dilation. And you know, you know how like when you're, when you're like walking around in the field, you can estimate, you, you'd be like, you know, I've, I think I've been here for about a half an hour. Sure. And you go look at the clock and it's been like, like 27 minutes, right? Yeah. You have an internal chronometer. Well, when we were there, we actually did an experiment, like a perception experiment, where we tried to, my, my son and I, my son was there, we tried to figure out how long we'd actually been on that land. And and we, we were like, I don't know, we must have been here two or three hours, right? No, we were there for 57 minutes. So you had like some we got, weird kind of like time dilation time going on, like missing time, but in reverse right. in a way, yeah. In reverse, we got more done in 57 minutes than we ever thought possible. <laughs> so yeah. we're so we're hiking so we're hiking out of there because it's very remote. It's it's on the side of a mountain. I mean, there's a, there's a highway next to it, but getting in and out of there, you know, it's a cinder road, it, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with cinder roads. 
It's um, yeah. it's Cinderella. There's you know no people, no nothing. And you know we're we're walking out of there, and my son goes, "What is that? There's something shiny over there." And it's like, "Well, there there should be no people here, just basically." And and I'm like, "I don't know. Let's go check it out." Guess what? It's a happy birthday balloon in the middle of the forest at seven thousand feet in the middle of the forest on the side of a mountain. Okay, and I'm that's... I'm sixty I'm sixty miles from a decent sized city. Very I'm similar to some of the time. things in, in in Hellier. In Hellier. Yep. So I pick it up. We drive back to Klamath Falls. I'm I'm east of Klamath Falls, and so I'm on the I'm on the opposite side of the mountain from Klamath Falls. So it makes it even weirder. Um, I call Greenfield. I said I found a happy bird, birthday balloon in the middle of the forest, and he says, "Well, happy birthday." <laughs> you're, you, he's like, you know what? You're, you know what's going to happen. I'm like, yes, I'm going to get a gift, right? And so I'm talking to him. I'm like, you know, you know, I really, you need to teach me everything because there are gaps. Like you asked me about why the third order. Alan can answer that for you. I cannot. And I, so I'm like, you've got to teach me everything. I don't know some of this stuff because I didn't move up through the OTO. I don't, I haven't studied the, the Crowley stuff every day for the last 40 years, right? And he goes, no, I don't. I said, why is that? He goes, because they're teaching you. They're teaching you what you need to know. And I'm like, okay. And again, this, this parallels how you're. And I said, okay. And he goes, he goes, look, you're learning by balloon. Follow the balloons and they tell you the answer. Which is, again, what he told the guys at Hellier. I mean, they did that interview. He tells them, follow the balloons, right? So I drive from Klamath Falls to Reno. And when you drive from Klamath Falls to Reno, um, it was a last-minute decision. We just kind of decided what the hell and did it. Um, I'm driving to a place called Alturas. Alturas is in the middle of nowhere. There is nothing near it. It's just field. It's like driving across Montana or North Dakota, if you've ever done that. Okay? Yeah. But there's this vast tract of forest, just like Montana or North Dakota. Parts of it, there's just forest. Well, not so much North Dakota, but Montana. There, you'll go through these phases where it's like flat forest land for like 100 miles. That's what this is like. And I'm driving along, and there's something shining off to my left. I'm like, what is that? What is that? And my son, he goes, oh, it's a balloon in a tree. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I slam on the brakes. I lay down on this. I've got this big, you know, big Toyota 4x4, you know, all things shaking. And I'm like, I like uh, did a U-turn in the middle of the highway. And I drive back and I get onto this little cinder road about 30 feet away from the balloon. And I have photographs. Of the, I couldn't get it down. It was too high. Guess what I found? I found a blue star balloon, and next to it, I found um, I, next to it hanging in the tree, I found a sports balloon. And so, you know, the sports balloon indicated that you're you're going to whatever the blue star balloon is trying to tell you. And there's a lot of debate about that. The 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 sports balloon is like, well, you're gonna it's gonna take teamwork to figure it out. And you know, some of the stuff that I've done. 
I I can find it, but I need I need Greenfield to help me interpret it, right? And so it's, it's teamwork, just like the woman said. So I come back home and and I'm like, what what the hell, right? And so I go to the quick stop, the quick stop. You guys have the quick stop, right? Yes. Circle K, Seven Eleven. Okay, I go to the quick stop to buy a candy bar. I just needed enough free crunch bar. It's, it's three minutes from my house. I go down there. I go to pull out. And guess what I find? Another balloon? Congru- yeah. And this time it's a congratulations, graduate 2021. <laughs> now, what had, hap- what had happened right before, what had happened okay. right before I found my graduate balloon is that on the way to Alturas, after I found the missing link here, I forgot to tell you, is one after I found the star balloon, I'm on the phone with Greenfield in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, dude, I'm like freaking out. And I found the blue star balloon. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he's like, he's like, you know, you know, you really need to like dedicate yourself to the study of the cipher. Right. He's like, everything is telling you to do that. You need to figure this thing out. And he said, you know what? Why don't you form a lodge, like a hermetic lodge, and dedicate the Hermetic Lodge to this. And I'm like, okay. So he said, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll charter it through the Free Illuminist movement. I'll charter it. And that way you have a legitimate thing. Because he's like, I feel like this is what you need to do. So I founded the Celestial Lodge of Sirius. Because there's some tie to Sirius. I don't know what, I don't know how, but there's a tie to Sirius. And the Dogon. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Right, and yeah. So I, I, the Robert Temple so I book, yeah. The, yes. So, I, so I, I chartered the Lodge with the Free Illuminist Movement as, as the Celestial Lodge of Sirius. And I have a charter and everything. You know, it's got a stamp on it that approves me. I'm all legit, right? And then I find the cipher, the Enochian cipher, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I go to get a candy bar, and then I find the graduate 2020 boy. And, of course, I call Greenfield. Says, Who else am I going to call, right? And he's like, congratulations, you graduated. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so now now the focus is to try to kind of understand. Yeah. So long story short is that I don't, I don't know who the second order is because – they haven't told me yet. And I'm, they're teaching me by balloon about. But what I do know is that the third order, they're, they're enlightened, formerly human beings that are benevolent who are supposed to assist us in our times of need. What it and really so, seems like know, to me is that something is really giving back to you because if you think about it, yeah. you're so instrumental in propagating these ideas by publishing Greenfield's books initially and later. Yes, yes. Yes, and I published them for years and nobody bought them. I would actually call Alan up and I'd be like, I'm so sorry. You're, you know, this month, you've got a dollar. <laughs> I mean, it's heartbreaking because I love his book. And you'd be like, dude, you made a dollar this month. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden, call him up and all of a sudden, because of Hellier, it just it just it just blows up. <laughs> but to Serfiel's point, you did put it out there. 
And you put it back. You and put it back it. into into circulation at least. Ron Bonds. Ron Bonds from Illuminate had published it. Ron Bonds had died mysteriously of yeah. poisoning after eating a salad in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, not far from actually Allen, um, but you know he was in Wilbur, Georgia. He went to he went to a Mexican restaurant. He died of indigestion. Um, the book went under. The book fell off the face of the earth. And I found it in, a, in the face of the earth phase, and I went to Alan. I said, I love your book. I just want to publish it because it needs to be in print. I don't care if I make money off of it. I don't care. You know, I just, it needs to be printed. And for years, I just, I did it just because I felt so strongly that the message of the ultra-terrestrials and the, and the, and the theory behind this, this eco cipher was so important that it needed to be published. So sure. what, what's the timeline for those for those publications? When was it first published by Illuminate, and then what? Uh, when did you do it? So I think it was originally published by Illuminate somewhere in the early nineties. It would have been like ninety four. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. I, yeah. Yeah, and then I think I took over publishing it in like two thousand and eight. Okay, so that edition's yeah. been out quite a while. Then that's been twelve years. Mm-hmm. Because I figured it was probably later than that. No, I think I think it was 2008 or 2009. So how did you even not, hear about it in the first place? Like, how did you even um, find I'm out? I'm a book nerd. Yeah. I'm a book nerd. I yeah. had I had original copies from from uh, from Illuminate. I mean, I still do, but I had original copies from Illuminate that I bought, you know, when I was in college. In the in the mid nineties, when I was in college, I bought copies of it. I loved I loved that stuff. I loved everything that, that Ron Bonds was publishing. I mean, I have all the Jim Keith stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have right. a lot of the stuff that I went to publish because it was here. It was early the mid nineties. I was a college student. You know, the the New World Order stuff that, that Jim Keith was talking about. <laughs> you know, we were listening to Hotel on the radio. Yeah. You know, so it was. It was a weird time, so I knew about it from there. I went into a used bookstore in Davis, and I bought it. Yeah, that's a good segue to um, it to start talking about uh, your involvement in uh, Paranoia Magazine and your history sure. with the conspiracy theory culture. Is there anything else though that you'd like to uh, put out there about the cipher and Greenfield stuff and Hellier and your experience with this before we kind of segue into that? Sure. So on on Facebook, the Facebook machine, which I, I hate, but that's how people communicate, there is a Alan Greenfield page. And so Alan is got somehow banned from Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he he, he, he keeps making Facebook pages. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's funny. So we finally just made one. And um, he's on Weemie. And so I try to take the stuff he posts on Weemie and put it on Facebook. But, you know, follow those or check me out, you know, if you want to follow the secret cipher stuff, especially the Nokian cipher stuff, because I've used them enough now that I feel confident about the transliteration, so I'm going to start posting them the stuff I figure out. I mean, I I needed to come to a point where I felt that the transliterations that I was making were reasonable and accurate. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put it out there when it's small. So I tried to, you know, I had... Alan and I proofed it together, and I feel comfortable enough now that I'm going to start writing about 
again, Alan and I are eventually going to write a book on secret occult ciphers because there are a bunch of them and they work. And I think that people have been exposed to the to the secret cipher of UFO knots now. You know, go get the book. It looks like the complete cipher of the UFO knots. You know what I mean? But I, I think there's enough people are exposed to it now. You know, that we need to we need to push it further because there's a lot there. And Alan's Alan's intention when he wrote the book originally was that people would get it and do what you guys did, do what I did, which is attempt to use it, but nobody mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Now, now they are. Yeah. So, you know, you feel fantastic. Now so much so that our friend friend Ren Collier um, actually has his own little program. The, uh, I guess he calls it the New American English, or New Aeon, New Aeon English Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. N-A-E-Q dot I-O. He's got that that on there. And I was going to ask you uh, something real quick before we kind of move on. I I used this I used his code off of GitHub for the secret cipher dot com. Yeah, yeah. Um, he put it. He was he was gracious enough to put it on GitHub and open source it. So I wanted people to use mm-hmm. it. So you know, Alan and I put up a, a website for it under the the secret cipher of the UFO knot theme. You know, to try to get people to use it. Cool. You mentioned something earlier that you can't. You shouldn't put names into the uh, secret cipher. What why what what is the problem with names? What's the issue with that? So, um, this was this passed on to me from Greenfield, and, and it it, it kind of works with my own experience as well. For whatever per- reason, when you put people's names, not names of city, but like people's names, like you put terrorists in there, for some, and I've tried it. For some reason, it, the results are very cloudy. Hmm. It's, it's better if you use keywords and then you you intention Terry Rift and then you put in keywords versus putting in Terry Rift. Now, if you put right. Terry Rift into the Enochian cipher, you get a whole But it can work. It can work. No, it does work. It just, it doesn't work as well. Okay. As long as you put, as long as you put English into it, it works. Um, people have experimented with using other languages, and you know, using it's 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 based on English, so using English words works the best. But yeah, if you, put, if you put a name in there, it absolutely will work. It's just it's more cloudy. Like if you're shaking the magic eight ball, it'll say, you know, it'll say, you know, the outcome is cloudy. It's just harder to divine <laughs> what's going on. Okay, interesting. Interesting, because I've I've done some work with I've done some work with the name in there, so I just was wondering about that. Yeah, no, it absolutely works. Yeah, it's very flexible. Yeah, my uh, use of a name and it was pretty metaphorical, but I actually understood it. I'm just going to leave that there. So, but that's that's probably why it works, is because yeah. you use you use the name, but it was metaphorical in nature. Yeah, yeah, it it actually you know, had it actually had something to do with a tarot reading that I had had way before I actually a couple of weeks before I'd actually used or way before I'd actually used it and it actually corresponded well, so. we'll go back real quick too because I guess this really started for you Adam with uh, with Bren doing an yes. angelic Enochian ritual yes. And, th- yes and then your tarot experience uh, actually the tarot experience was actually uh, was actually a t- two days before Two okay. or three days before, 
first you had the tarot reading that Heather did, and then the Enochian experience, Enochian ritual that Ren did in Atlanta for with, at, at Paramania. And then after that, I used the cipher, <laughs> and it confirmed things from the tarot reading. It, it, it was interesting. You know, I tell people, I, I make a joke about it, but I tell people, you know, that you should go watch The Power of Myth before attempting to use a cipher. Because it's all it's all metaphorical. So if yeah. you put in something metaphorical in nature, it is, that's, a, that's a different conversation. If you put in a name that's metaphorical in nature, it will work absolutely, and it will probably work very well. Mm. Because you're putting in metaphor for metaphor. Yes. Now, once I get this thing tightened up with the Enochian cipher, and I teach you guys how to use that, then it'll really blow your mind. Because when you go to use the Enochian stuff, it's based on the Enochian alphabet. So if you're putting in Enochian names or things to deal with, with Enochian rituals, then the results you get will be very powerful. So using Alan's, because well, the way Alan uses it in the book is one of the things that he does is he takes the names of these beings that the contactees were in contact with. And Right, right. And uh, Orthon and people, is it thing, Orthon. characters Orthon, like that. Yeah. yeah. So I guess Orthon, in a way that those names are kind of metaphorical in and of themselves. Exactly, because when yeah. he put on, when he put in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Orthon, you know, the result, one of the results he got back is that Orthon is equivalent to Jesus, which he references in the book. So, okay. you know, the, the numeric value is the same. Okay. Now, I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something very interesting about Hellier, is that there, there's an episode called The Altar, and, and I forget exactly what happens in The Altar, but it's really the, one of the turning points in the second season. If you put in The Altar into the, the Max Cipher, then what you get back is a 93. Oh, really? And I don't know if they did that. Yeah, I don't know if they did that intentionally. I've uh-huh. never gotten a response from them, but it is a 93. Interesting. Okay. Okay. But again, it's all metaphorical. <laughs> right? Well, okay, right. So uh, we were talking, <laughs> we were going to ask about the but involvement with Paranoia Magazine. Well, yeah. and I wanted to ask Absolutely. you first, Olaf, how you how you first really became uh, or were were introduced to this uh, conspiracy culture, for lack of a better term, I guess. So um, it's actually funny, um, and I I actually told this uh, 
told this story to, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Brad, um, what's his last name? Um, he writes, he wrote, he was like prolific. Brad, um, Brad Steiger, brother Brad. Um, I got into this, I got into this because of Brad Steiger. And so I was, I don't know, eight, eight years old, something like that, eight, ten years old. Maybe I was ten. Um, I was sitting in my room in the 80s uh, reading a Choose Your Own Adventure, and um, there was a big light by my window. And it was a bluish-white light, and it just hung in front of my second-story window. and just didn't move. It kind of vibrated a little bit. It lit up my room, but it, it wasn't, like, blinding. Um, and I didn't know what the hell it was. And so I did what any... You know, between eight and ten year old would do. I hit under the, I hit under my comforter, right? I come back up and it's still there. And I hit under my comforter and it's still there. And I hit under my com- comforter and I'm like, oh my god, these are aliens. They're gonna take me away. What am I gonna do, right? So I worked up the courage and I ran across the hall to my parents' room. My dad was in the Air Force. My grandfather was in the Air Force, um, as you guys know from whatever. <laughs> so I figured my father was going up on Air Force bases from the 50s on up, and um, 40s, actually. And so, you know, I figured he's probably seen every kind of military aircraft, air, civilian aircraft in the face of the right? I mean, the guy rode on a Lockheed Constellation to Havana, you know, before, uh, before Castro took over. So, you know, he's seen every kind of airplane. So I run in, I wake my dad up, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, there's something else on the window. I don't know what it is. You were in the Air Force. You got something with the thing. Just being in the Air Force, being an expert on everything that's in the Air in your time. So he, so he gets, says, okay, he gets his, he had a police baton from the Air Force. And he says, okay, he was in law enforcement. He says, get, get behind me. I'm like, all right. So he's got this club, and he goes, and we walk through the, across the hallway, opens the door. Got the club, opens the door, nothing there. And um, I got back into bed. I'm like, you believe me, right? He goes, I believe you. I absolutely believe you. And I actually, he's 75 years old, and I asked him about a month ago. I said, Dad, did you really believe me? He goes, yeah, I still believe you to this day. Well, anyway, so the next day, there was library game. I was like, what happened? And so I went to the library in my elementary school, back when elementary school still had librarians and libraries. And they really have crappy ones now, but back then we had good ones. And so I went to the librarian, and, you know, back then the librarian was not so much a librarian, but more like like your guide, your guide to a literary university, right? Like a travel right. guide. And so you go, oh, mystic librarian, I would like information about Tibet. They go, Okay, and almost with, 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 with absolute precision, they would give you the Dewey Decimal number, and you go look it up, right? And they were so your Google. Go, they were Google, basically, yeah. And so Google, but the output was not human readable. It was a Dewey Decimal. <laughs> so I, I go to the librarian, and I said, oh, mystic librarian, I saw something bizarre outside my window on the second floor. I, I want to understand what I saw. And she goes, okay, so it goes into a decimal system number. So I go over to that place, and it's just a bunch of books about airplanes. I came back, and I said, no, 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 no. You're not understanding. 
I said, I know what an airplane looks like. I grew up on an Air Force base, okay? I, you know, I know what F-111s look like and F-16s and F-15s and all that shit. And I said, I, I'm, I'm trying, this was different, this was weird, and I want to know what it is. And her response, I'll never forget it, she looked down at me with those, you know, those big glasses, you know, when they make glasses, like, really huge, circular. She looks down at me with those permed hair and says, oh, you want those books? And I said, <laughs> yes. And so, so she goes, okay. And this time I didn't get a Dewey Decimal number because she didn't know what it was. So she told me, she's like, okay, far, it's the far bookshelf on the left. I can still take you to this day. Far bookshelf on the left of the other room, down at the bottom, and you're facing the bookshelf, lower right-hand corner. So I go down there. And there's, you know, there's Jacques Deligne, there's J. Allen Hynek, and then there's Brad Steiger, the Mysteries, Mysteries of Time and Space. So I tried to read Billy. It was too complex because you know it's you know, it's it's metaphorical. Men in black as as trolls and gnomes and you know all this stuff. I mean, I just I don't know. It just did not make sense to me. I tried right. to read. Heineck. That that got Heineck saved for later. Yes, Heineck was too dense because it's scientific in nature, and it was just too damn dense for a you know, for a fourth grader to read. And then I found this Mysteries of, of Time and Space with Brad Spike. And I read it cover to cover. And I read it again. And it blew my mind. Because in Mysteries of Time and Space, you know, you're talking about UFOs, cryptids, v- vortexes, you know, time slips. Because that book is a little bit of everything. And that, that book did not tell me what I thought did not answer it at all. But boy, did it sure blow up my mind. And so after that, I just became consumed by it. And I've been consumed by it ever since. So Paranoia was founded by Joan D'Arc and Al Hadell. And I believe the first issue was put out in 1992. Um, after, after a while, um, publishing became hard. And it's still hard to this day. But um, Joan... Jones sold it to a guy named Ron Patton. And Ron Patton, you know, he's he's a, a world expert on mind control. I mean, if you want to know about ultra, artichoke, you know, he knows. Uh, hummingbird, um, uh, monarch, um, he knows about all that. Well, he, he was a writer for Paranoia, and he bought it off of Joan and Al. And then uh, eventually, I got my hands on it. I was a, I started as a writer for Paranoia, okay. um, and then it became it became available, and so I bought it. Um, I actually bought it from a, from a guy named Larry Overman, who who was the guy from Ghostbot. You ever watched Ghostbot on Sci-Fi? He had bought it off of Ron, and then I bought it off of him about a year after he bought it off of Ron. Yeah, I think Ron That's didn't he I, didn't he go to work for like Clyde Lewis as a producer? Yeah, he's. Yeah, so yeah. I I uh, I was the I was a producer for Clyde for a long time, and then I stopped, and then there were a couple of other people um, in between, and then uh, Ch- Tracy Twyman was the last one, and then after Tracy, um, I went to I went to Clyde, and I said, you, you got to hire Ron. Ron's you need Ron. Ron is he knows all this stuff. So yeah, so Ron went to work there. So and Ron's still the producer. 
Yeah. What were some of the first articles you wrote for it? Um, I wrote a lot of... Uh, the early stuff I wrote was a lot of it was, you know, Nazi UFOs, the secret space program. Um, I wrote a book... I wrote a stuff, some stuff about the Burn Memo, um, the JFK Burn Memo. Um, I wrote some stuff about the Ananerbi, which I apparently pronounced wrong. On on the Nerby, um, a bunch of different stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was the uh, the S the SS is kind of like uh, basically what you see in Raiders of the Lost Ark, essentially trying yeah. to find. So they're going to Tibet and doing their racist, their kind of like racial theories out there, and then the search for the Holy Grail, Otto Ron, yeah, yeah. In fact, they did way more than that. That's that's just the surface of it. One of these days, I'll get around to writing my book about it. But the um, the SS in general, not just the Anunnaki, there were other teams on the, within the SS. The Anunnaki specifically was interesting because it was a radicalization of the educational community. So what Himmler had done is under, I believe under Carl Wolfe, and he had created the Anunnaki, and then he went to college professors and historians and co-opted them and gave them all this money for research to prove Atlantis was real and the ultimate tool was a place and whatever, and to promote their racial theories. And, and he used the Anunnaki to do that. Um, you know, Hans Schiffer, uh, seven years into that, Hans Schiffer, uh, he was mm-hmm. the guy that, that led the SS team into Tibet. They did a bunch of chronology. They actually, they actually did bring back a group of Tibetan monks uh, who lived right. in Berlin. Yeah, I think that was left out. I think that was that part was left out of the movie. I think. I think it was very specifically left out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they have dinners. They're having dinners with these Tibetans. And they felt that the Tibetans were their long lost, you know, Atlantean brothers. Right. And, right. And, you know, there's pictures of Hans Schiffer, like, you know, you know, uh, drinking with the Tibetans, and in the back they were like SS penance, and yeah, they left all that out. Yeah. But, yeah, that the Anunnaki was technically the ancestral uh, heritage division of the of the SS. They were under the the race and resettlement um, department. I kind of want to get into you with a little bit about um, what's going on now, with, like as a conspiracy theorist, and we you know we kind of still consider ourselves that as well. Obviously, since we have a show yeah. called Conspiracy Normal, but you know, yeah. I mean, things are well. I mean, you know, things are crazy in general right now. But in the conspiracy theory yeah. world, it's it is. I think it's just gone into complete overdrive. Mm-hmm. And we've we've noticed yeah. that uh, we talked about this on a couple of episodes ago with a good friend of ours named Recluse, who's very keyed into a lot of this kind of material. That there is um, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation that's going on right now, sure. and that the conspiracy narrative has really just been weaponized. It has. It really has. It's been weaponized to the point where you just kind of want to lay low. Yeah. Because there's, you know, I, I went to ground. I wrote an article about COVID-19 proving that I think that, that the thing, there's a high likelihood that it emerged from that weapons lab in, 
in um in the uh, uh word. What's the name of the town that it came from? Wuhan. Oh, Wuhan. Yeah. Wuhan. Yeah, the Wuhan virology lab. You know, a lot of the things that they were saying on the news were inaccurate about the distances from the virology lab to the market. You know, etc. And there were some prominent epidemiologists and virologists who were saying some very crazy things like early on. And the, the growth of it was so expansive and so rapid that I, I made the case that it was what I believe it's weaponized SARS. That they, they had weaponized it. They had gotten the bat SARS from the bats. They had weaponized it. And then I think that there was, there was an accident. And I think somebody had a needle stick and didn't want to didn't want to admit it. You know, went through their their bunny suit, didn't want to admit it because in China, if they had admitted it, that meant that they would have been they would have been torched, right? I mean, they're they're gonna burn the body, right? Yeah. As him and everybody he came into contact with, and whoever's left, they're gonna send them to re-education camp. But I think whoever was took the risk that nothing would happen. Right. And went to went to the market to buy dinner and run it. So I, I I put out that narrative. I, I believe it. I believe it's still accurate. Um, but after that, it just went crazy. And I, I just, I don't know, once you ground, I mean, you know, we've got a president who, who believes Alex Jones is the next coming. And I think that's dangerous. Yeah, and uh, I know like Ken Thomas talks a, a lot about when we talk to him about this, uh, what do you call like a politically schizophrenic conspiracy theory where really it seems like in the 90s the right and left oriented conspiracy theorists could still coexist but it's like now that's absolutely impossible yeah it's it's true i mean back back in the the 90s and the 2000s you know left and right wing conspiracy theorists could easily coexist because the nature of the the conspiracy was universal Mm -hmm. i mean i don't i don't i consider myself to be a centrist now, I'm definitely not a super conservative person, but I'm not a super liberal person. I'm like most everybody out there. I'm in the middle, and sure, yeah. and I don't, I don't sure. think, yeah, and I, I don't, I, I'm very leery of, of people who, you know, they're well. I'm a, you know, I, I'm a very conservative conspiracy theorist. And it's like, well, if you're too, if you're too part of the right, too part of the left, I think you're, you're losing track of all the other stuff in the middle. In the middle is where the stuff lives. It's gray. Everything's great. Right. But yeah, no, right now it's too schizophrenic because, you know, the, I mean, in the news, is it the China virus? Is it the Wuhan virus? Is it SARS? Is it novel coronavirus? You know, we know the real name of it, right? It's COVID-19, novel coronavirus. But, you know, there's so many, especially with the Russians um, playing around and the Chinese themselves playing around, um, in in the internet and in the news and confusing people. You know, it's a funny thing there to, to kind of understand the logic behind it. You know, we could see the, the outliers of this happening years ago, um, but we all ignored it, right? And, you know, you ignore it because you think that it's BS or you ignore it because you think it's... You, you, you just ignore it because it's not your, your belief system, Right? But, you know, you look at, like, you look at veterans today, right? And back in the day, there was a website. It probably still exists for veterans today. And this guy, I think he was, like, an Army veteran or something. But it has nothing to do with veterans. 
it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy soapbox. You know, oh, yeah. all kinds of conspiracy. Yeah, where the, the United States is pretty much the root of all evil. Well, one day, one day he said that he was going to an anti-terrorist conference. I thought that was that was a novel idea from this guy. That's interesting. And it was sponsored by Optical Press TV. That's what that's funny. I wonder who Press TV is. You know, there's this photo of him sitting with table. They're talking about with Middle Eastern leaders about terrorism. And I thought, okay, that's that's interesting. And so I looked at it, and I was able to identify eight of the nine people sitting at the table. And one of them was uh, the leader of Hezbollah. One of them was the leader of the PLO. One was the leader of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. The rest of them, it was like a terrorist watch list, like sitting at the table with this guy. And, and I'm like, wow, that's an anti-terrorist uh, summit, okay? And so then I looked up Press TV. And Press TV is owned by the Islamic Republic of Iran. Yep. And basically this guy, who's an American, who is a, is a military, uh, military um, commentator for Press TV, um, he's basically financed by the Republic of Iran. Now, I don't think Iran is a fundamentally bad place. You know, I, I think that we, we as a, we like any country, we dehumanize our enemy. You know, I, I think the Iranian people are probably pretty awesome. Um, but the government of Iran has an agenda, just like the government of the United States has an agenda. I mean, yeah. we just, we just, we're, we're fired to their, their, uh, process facility after we blew it up using a virus. Right? I mean, we have an agenda there. It's just politics. But, you know, the, the conspiracy world was being inundated by these people. And this guy's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. And then I started to watch all this stuff coming out of Russia today. And, you know, uh, Jesse Ventura mm-hmm. is on Russia today. It's like, what's yeah. happening in Russia? Yeah, and, and it's like, well, who's Russia today? Well, Russia today um, occupies the former offices of Pravda, which was the state the state yeah. newspaper for the Soviet Union. Their their um, budget, they live in the same office, run by the same people. Their their budget is comes straight out of the out of the Kremlin. Their budget is approved and managed by Vladimir Putin himself. Yeah. Not for a proxy. Vladimir Putin approves their budget. And they use all the old KGB tricks. If they have yes. some somebody yeah, if they have somebody who's talking about you know, the Kentucky Goblin, then they will have a Russian speaking in English with a Southern accent that we went to, we went to their, their version of defense language. Yeah. If they have somebody who's talking about, you know, how the, the English are terrible people, which they do quite often, they'll have somebody speaking with an English accent, probably from one, yeah. a London accent. And, Whereas and in the past, it was, it was the more left-leaning people that they were targeting. Now it's a lot more the right, more right-leaning right. conservatives. right. But at the same time, they want them, They want those same people in power because they can manipulate them. And, and they yes. show time and time again that they can. And I started to look around at, at all this. And this is years ago, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, guys, hold on a minute. You know, that's great. You're publishing this 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 news in a news report about about how Obama is going to do away with the Second Amendment and put us all into a police state. It's from Russia today. Well, that that's funny. You know. I don't know that he ever got rid of the Second Amendment or put us in the police state, but that sure is a Russian agenda item to make us think they are. He is. 
You know, yeah, during so during those years, they were really active. Uh, I was studying international relations uh, during those years, the Obama years, and um, yeah, they were they were really working towards like co-opting kind of anti-establishment types, your Alex Jones types, and people like that. Um, oh, yeah. Intelestesia, everything else. They were really yeah. And then you know, I mean, the, the pinnacle, the pinnacle was the whole Lucifer thing. Lucifer. 3.0 or 1.0 or whatever it was. Guccifer was not a person. Guccifer is a GRU unit. It's probably got 150 people. So, you know, they, they kept... The, and, and don't... You know, I'm not going to defend defend us. I mean, we do the same thing. We do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. You know, but... But if someone's into conspiracy they theory, they should be able to recognize, you know, recognize what's behind messaging. Yeah. Exactly. Now, so when... So now, within the last few years, Suddenly, the, that the radicalization of conspiracy theory occurred, and the people that were following RT and, and, and talking like, you know, RT was like right, and they they had they seemed to have the number on this this global conspiracy, right? Suddenly, those people are in power, and suddenly yep. Alex Jones, who's a, who's a huge proponent of some of these wacko, wacko conspiracies, you know. Suddenly, he's telling the president of the United States to make political decisions based on, <laughs> you know, there are good conspiracies. There, there are good conspiracies and there are bad conspiracies, right? You know, Gary Webb found some real conspiracies and he ended up in a battle. Right. But, you know, some of the stuff that Alex Jones puts out there is just utter horseshit. And suddenly, that, that, that is now being institutionalized into into the executive branch of the United States. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I really don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough having our, our our name really turns a lot of people off, even if they you know they don't really know us. Um, it yeah. just seems like right. you know me, me and Adam also come from from that turn of the century and, and '90s conspiracy culture, and um, okay. the everything that was pioneered back then, uh, including other things I want to get into. Uh, it seems like we're really just like mined. To, for future use and in particular like the oh, yeah. John Teeter stuff and Ong's hat like these alternate reality games from the early internet were really mined and studied and weaponized and so now we have things yeah. like QAnon which is exceptionally yeah. which which is which is exceptionally ugly it is, it ex- it is exceptionally ugly and 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 I have yet to see anything that you know I was at a I went somewhere the other night, and, and I parked, and right next to me was a truck. Oh, I was coming back from Mount Shasta. I decided to have a metaphysical experience on Mount Shasta. Yeah. I go to Shasta, and I'm going to call the Lemurian trip and, and do a CE5 thing. Actually, we saw a UFO. But um, I'm coming back, and I'm getting gas, and you know, I'm up in Reading somewhere, and the truck next to me has got a big old Q-sticker. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you... I, I don't like to name names because I think it's counterproductive, but we'll just we'll just say that there's there's a person out there in in the, the conspiracy space where he's now blending hippie culture and QAnon. Yeah. And so you've got the metaphysics of hippie culture and and, and metaphysics in general. And it's not being yeah. blended with QAnon. And and that's a very dangerous thing to do. 
Yeah, well, this, that stuff, yeah, that stuff in particular. Me and Adam have been talking a lot about it because there's explosion in and it's within the QAnon stuff too of this like rehash, satanic panic, um, yeah, fear yeah. of children being you know used in these evil cabals. You know, s- suppose yeah, yeah. somehow there's tens of thousands of children missing that no one knows about. That you know, like. These themes right now are absolutely exploding. As, like as I've a matter never seen of, in my life. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in the last few days, as we're recording this on August the 11th, in the last few days, there's been this attempt to really kind of hijack by the QAnon people, um, and I guess the Pizzagate people. I, I think that's pretty much the same thing now. But anti-human trafficking yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's yeah the actual like real anti-human trafficking organizations to hijack the hashtag Save the Children. Today, I was seeing it all over the place on on Facebook. You know, we have we have a problem with human trafficking. Yeah, it's real. And when you, it's real. And when I mean, just uh, just a month ago. They found these cargo containers. I think they were in Belgium, and they had found these cargo containers that were soundproofed. They were basically mobile torture chambers, and they were being shipped around on, on cargo ships. And you know, there one one of them was ready to store people. And it was obvious that they had loaded these people onto a container ship to take them wherever. And you know, you watch those, you watch a movie like Hostel, and you 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 realize that Hostel, although it's a movie and it's particularly gruesome. Hostile exist. These are real things, and there are very good international organizations for fighting. But it's not QAnon, you know. Yeah. And, and the problem I have with Q, the problem I have with QAnon is that when you're dealing with QAnon, you know, and these information dumps. And I, again, I'm, the only person I'll, I'll name besides from Corey Good, who I I love, is Gary Kathleen. You know, she's done some good stuff, but, you know, she's also a victim of these information dumps. And some of the people that she's talked to, like, when you look at their background, it's like, what are you doing? Who are these people? But queuing on on these information dumps, I have yet to see one that actually provides any information about much of anything. You know? And it was almost like when Gustafer got blown and and, um, Assange went, went into the Ecuadorian embassy. They cooked up. They cooked up QAnon as another as another method to distribute this stuff. What I've noticed is just like you. I will see memes that these people post, and and you know like. I should really just block these people because it makes my blood pressure go up. But it's like at the same time, I, I really want to know what they're saying because I want to know how bad this is getting. But like I'll well, see but- me. I'll see memes that just make. These allegations are these yeah. the uh, are, are just make a statement, and then like that's all that's all but it but that's all they put up there. But that's all people are going to look at. That's all they're going to care about. Okay. They're not going to go do the research, find out that it's neither is true or it isn't true. But it's right. just like they it's just a, and it makes me think that just like this is just troll farm stuff. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's. 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 Uh, oh, what is it? Um, quick porn. Quick porn. Troll porn stuff. It's interesting how it's how it is now. 
of course, it's it's gearing up because now we're going into the election, and it's it's a way to further divide people from the whole mask from now the whole mask debate. And 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 I really seriously think that what they're trying to do there is just kill Americans. They just want to kill Americans. And then it's but it's so interesting that 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 this that this is happening now, and but especially when you get something like you know Trump in that Axios interview. Where they asked him about Ghislaine Maxwell, and he's the guy said, "Well, why did you wish her well? She's convicted of child trafficking." And Trump says, "Big right. deal," but yet nobody right. says anything about that in the QAnon no, world. Right. They just no. they just overlook it, and they still think Trump is their hero right. that is going to go get these kids out of these underground ba- underground bunkers. It's just crazy. Right. But they have no context. Like we all saw the, we 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 all are familiar with the satanic panic stuff, with the, the yep. monarch stuff, and that was really big. So yep. it's just when you already have that background and understand all these like memes in the old conspiracy world that existed, and just see them rehashed and like weaponized like that to a particular party, it's just it's insane. Like I've never seen anything like it. And what what is what is going on? See the the thing that I always do right is I follow the money. And and what what is what is QAnon actually doing? QAnon is diluting the conspiracy culture. It's diluting yes. rock through conspiracy theory. So instead yeah. of as conspiracy people, instead of going and saying, okay, let's let's take a an open source intelligence approach and a conspiratorial view of the world, you know, the Ralph Upperson, the conspiratorial view of history, and look at what the Russians are doing, right? Now the Russians are our friends, you know, and, and QAnon is telling us the truth. It's all been flipped upside down. And it's, it's, it, it's polluting the water so bad that instead of doing what conspiracy people used to be doing, which is they are doing weather modification. That is true. They really do do weather modification. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really are putting fluoride in the water. There's there's fluoride. There's muscle relaxants. There's, you know, there's, I mean, there's a whole ph- pharmacy floating around in the water that, that makes you docile and passive, and it, and it gives you cancer. That's true. You know, and instead of worrying about what we're doing with these CIA black sites, where they're, you know, they're widening. They're they're widening the, the catch the catches of who they're you know taking instead of looking at Portland and saying okay we're in a class war you know we're seeing the outliers of a true class war and in a in a racial war and this we got to fix this shit we got to do it now instead of yeah. worrying about that you know they're they're diluting it by sending DHS paramilitary guys to drive around in white U-Haul vans. And, and just grab people off the street. Why? Because you spray painted the building, you know, and, and it, and it terrorizes those people that Antifa gets, says, okay, well, it's time, it's Antifa time, then. you know, and it just deteriorates, you know, it, it's what it is. It's a, it's a radicalization of conspiracy theory. So that it used to be that, that us conspiracy theory guys, we were on the real stuff, you know, it's drug trap, the CIA trafficking drugs in the South Central Right, that was a very famous one. Yeah, very web. What's really behind foreign policy and all that kind of stuff? Exactly. What are the Russians really doing? Did you did you know that the 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 narco traffickers coming out of Colombia and South America are buying submarines and building submarines to traffic this stuff? It's like the things that that are 
you know, no, nobody's, you know what it's like? This is what it's like. Do you guys know what Covert Action Court really is? Yeah, yeah, I grew up reading that. Okay, Covert Action Quarterly, for your, your listeners that don't know, is, is a conspiracy magazine run by ex-CIA guys. And it's yeah. exceptionally good. And it, it's, the, you know, the design of it is not fantastic, but the information is bang on. Well, we're not, we're not reading Covert Action Quarterly. Now what we're doing is we're reading TMZ. We're getting our, our conspiracy theories from TMZ. And, and memes. And that is yeah. and memes. And that, that is the strain. Because what the conspiracy theorist really was, was that, that fourth column, right? They, they were the fourth estate. They were the ones that functioned outside that fourth column. They were the fourth estate, like journalists. Conspiracy theorists are not journalists, but they occupy that same space where you've got you've got global media conglomerates and then you've got these independent research journalists out there finding the truth about stuff. And a lot of times they were tripped onto something from a conspiracy theorist. And so the yeah. conspiracy theorist, the fourth, the fourth state researcher, they're out there on the edge looking at, at needles in a haystack saying, okay, well, there's a weird pattern here, right? But that doesn't exist anymore because they weaponized it. They weaponized it and co-opted it. I mean, yeah. the, the whole idea... The whole, I, as a conspiracy theorist, the whole idea that a conspiracy theorist is is advising the chief executive of the United States of America <laughs> is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Because as a conspiracy theorist, I know that the stuff that I found is circumstantially very interesting, and there's a finite limit to how far you can push it. And as a, as a conspiracy theorist, I have a responsibility to publish what I find but also to say, hey, this is circumstantial. You need to go look for yourself and prove it. Right. I'm going to give you a, you know, I'm going to give you as an objective point of view as I can, but this is the circumstantial evidence that we need a whole bunch of people because somebody's got the key somewhere, you know. But now <laughs> that circumstantial thing, and its legs are even more rickety than they've ever been, right, is now advising the powers that be. Yeah, and what's so ironic is that, yeah, I just I feel like the the only people really in a position to really suss out and explain the bigger picture of what's going on are that old guard conspiracy theorists who are still left. They seem like they're, they're the last ones left who can really explain what's going on. Right, and they're just and they're kind of disappearing. That's and they're happening. being discredited along with all the because there's all this other garbage. Yeah, right. It's true, and and but even some of them, even some of them are being co-opted. And and again, we saw this years ago. This is not something that started in 2016, when when Jesse Ventura, right who was held up as the new breed of conspiracy, you know, conspiracy, you know, talk show host guy, right? Yeah. When he went to RT, that told you, he went, he, he moves down to Mexico because he's afraid of being in the U.S. and then he goes to RT. What <laughs> message does that sound? Yeah, I never even really thought about Ventura, but he was one of the ones early on and I, Kind of he's really, really kind of active. Him. He's really active in 9/11 truth, wasn't he? Yeah, very much so. He was. And 
and uh, but he really was one of the ones early on that uh, you know I mean and he had I, I don't know for whatever reason maybe he just decided that he just was not gonna be the guy I don't know but you know it seemed like it then it all kind of defaulted to Trump and Trump started everything with a the conspiracy theory started oh, yeah. even before he ran for president with the birther movement yeah, I mean Obama. that's how it that's how it started for, for Trump yeah well it even started earlier than that it started it started with the with the kids in um, Central Park Central Park five yeah Central Park five yeah, yeah. and uh, but and a lot of the a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the conspiracy stuff though a lot of that came from Roger Stone at first. Who were Stone was huge in the JFK assassination. Uh, and and you know you know what I saw, you know what I saw just the other day. I go on the Facebook machine, which I dread, but I go on the face because but you know it's the way people are kind of contacting us. So. But I go on the I go on the Facebook machine, and there's Roger Stone. You know he's he some some evangelical preacher is advertising that Roger Stone's going to come to the church and and yeah. do a big. Presentation. I, I <laughs> Olaf, it's right down. Like, the, it's 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 like three miles from where I where I'm at right now. That's where he's going to be <laughs> at the I, end of this month. Incidentally, like, that you mentioned like, that. Yeah, and I'm like, is this bullshit? I mean, is this honestly? Is this bullshit? No, it's real. It's and real. Like, and what's funny? And what's funny is that on the guy on the 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 church's Facebook, it's just meme after meme after meme after meme. After meme. WTF, what the hell, you know, you're insane. It's just like 3,000 from your nuts, you know? But, but this is where we are. Roger Stone, convicted felon, is going to talk about his his uh, his conversion to Christianity, apparently. I know the church that you're talking about. <laughs> I've driven past it for a long, long time. Uh, I think I know some people that have actually, actually go to that church. The pastor... I, I say that word lightly, uh, is very vocal uh, lately, especially about having to wear masks into places. He he did a oh, rant. Is that, the, is that that guy with the rant? Oh, no. Yeah. He did he did the, he did the, he did a rant uh, not too long ago because they made him wear a mask in Dunkin' Donuts. Well, Herman yeah. Cain Herman King did a rant about having to having to wear a mask. He went to a Trump rally and now he's dead. Right. Of COVID nineteen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But there, there's. I'll tell you one thing though that I noticed. There's a weird. There's a weird thing about this whole thing, right? And I think you have to see them separately. Is that on one hand you've got you've got all the people, you know, this this new QAnon thing, and and all these old old guys, you know, that are like Roger Stone is not young, but all these old guys, Herman Cain, Roger Stone, Trump, and all the rest of them. They were perpetuating it. Don't wear a mask. Mask are evil. Don't wear a mask. COVID-19 is a crisis. You know, it's Alex Jones who are like crisis actors and, you know, whatever. But the people that die from it, the vast majority of the people that die from it are are older people. That is true. That's not a conspiracy. That's true. Yeah. And and the, a lot of them are the ones that buy into this. You know, one of the Koch brothers died. I think the Koch brothers were combined together to create the Antichrist. But but the Coke, one of the Coke brothers died of COVID nineteen. I wasn't aware it was COVID nineteen. Yeah, I believe it was COVID nineteen, and and I know I know for a fact that in Florida, 
that a, a lot of these people that are older that are dying of COVID-19, they're, they're going in and saying, well, well, we think that that COVID-19 test was a false positive, so we're just going to call it community-acquired pneumonia. Yeah. They want to keep the numbers down. Yeah. yeah, the states are cooking the books. Right. And any time that there's it's 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 new. It's a new disease. Like just Go ahead, go ahead. They're killing their own followers. they're killing their own followers. Yeah. yeah. Like if you go to that thing with Roger Stone and you don't wear a mask and some dude most likely has COVID and is a is a passive carrier of them, which it appears to be what's going on. And a bunch of people are going to get infected in that thing, maybe even Roger Stone himself, and they're going to succumb to COVID-19. The net result is a decrease in the number of people that support QAnon and, and that, that kind of right-wing uh, dialogue. So it, it's very weird. It's that counterproductive. <laughs> it is counterproductive. Yeah. That, that is it. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think that, that, that Trump and the alt-right I think are are pushing this no mask thing because I think that they're thinking that if they can convince the country that we return to normality, that they can win. And I and I think that that's why the push to open everything and whatever, you know, this this push is to create this false sense of normality. And then then Trump can use his, his tired rhetoric and, and just buying just enough time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 failing though. I mean, it's failing fast. Well, he knows it. That's why he's after yeah. he's after mail-in ballots. He's after mail-in ballots, but he's used the mail-in ballot like the last eight times he's voted. Right. And it's comical. And so know? now they and want to gut, gut the post office just to try to prevent it if he can't legally prevent it. Right, and 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 not only that, you know, he then well, the first thing he did is said, well. Well, maybe we need to push back the election, and that that was met with a resounding no. <laughs> and so, so then it was like, well, let's attack the underpinnings of how we could do this safely. You know, it's. I mean, you can see the desperation in those acts. Yeah. But I think the no, I think the no mask thing is, he doesn't care what the body count is as long as he gets reelected. And yeah. you know, but it is counterproductive because the people that are buying into it. Well, being a conspiracy theorist, like I said, is the uh, really puts you in a good position to try to understand what is actually going on on the meta level and how uh, conspiracy theory is being manipulated um, in a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's totally meta. (laughs) Ultimate irony. It is conspiracy theory. We've we've institutionalized conspiracy theory. But in, in, in doing that, we co-opted conspiracy theory, and now we have a selected, a selected class of approved conspiracy theorists that work at Fox News and Alex Jones and so on <laughs> that, that are approved to get to feed us conspiracies, and and uh, and the rest of us are just kind of out to lunch. But it's, it, it shows you why it shows you why I went to ground. I mean, who wants to do conspiracy? It's, it's utterly meta. The whole thing is meta. Yeah, yeah. The other point well, that I kind of I wanted to make too was just like you know with all this what is going on in Portland and what has been going on even with like Trump talking about the election. Where where are the where are the militia groups and all these people that would talk about the over 
reach of government. Where are those people? You know, I mean, like when their guy does it, it's okay. It's it's very it's very it's 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 it makes you just like really wonder cognitive dissonance. Well, yeah. well, I, I think that what what you're seeing is that at some level, you know, it is kind of it is kind of well when their guy does it, it's okay. But I think a lot of these a lot of those guys in the militia groups, you know, they still exist, and I think what they're doing is that they're sitting sitting there waiting. Yeah. Right. Because, like, if, if you look at what happened, right? You know, here's here's Trump. He puts he puts these guys on the Supreme Court, like Kavanaugh and and the other guy Gorsuch, and he puts these guys on the Supreme Court. And he says to he says to his base, he says, "Look, I put these ultra conservatives on the Supreme Court. Now we're going to get the agenda that we the people want." Right. The problem is, is that you know, so on this one in particular, you know, thing that has to do with, with taxes and, and other things having to do with, with Oklahoma, right? And, and the output of the Supreme Court will the state of Oklahoma is owned by the, Na- the First Nations people, Native Americans, because of a treaty that was ratified and never unratified. The U.S. government just chose to ignore the treaty. And what happened was is that you put these guys on the on the Supreme Court that are pure constitutionalists. And they read that they read the Constitution very literally. And very, and they took a very literal approach to that, you know, to that, that compact that was signed, you know, way back when with the with the First Nations people. And we never undid the compact. So most of Oklahoma apparently is owned by the Native Americans in that area. And suddenly, you know, the all right was crazy. What do you mean, you know? It's like, well, you know, you and they took a literal approach. So I think a lot of these guys are, are waiting because they take a very, however you feel about it, good or bad, I think it's going to end bad, but they take a literal approach to the Constitution. And, and when the Constitution literally starts getting broken, which is what we're on the, the verge of, you know, then they're, they're going to come unleashed. Yeah. Yeah, I think they feel like they're being deputized for something that's coming. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they, they feel like they're being deputized and they're watching it happen. And I think a lot of them are some of these ideas. And I think a lot of them are just sitting back watching going, wait a minute, because they are very literal interpreters of the Constitution. And, and you know what? That's fine. It's our, it's our founding document. If you want to take it quite literally, you know, you can make a case for that. I think it's a living document. I think it changes over time. It can be reinterpreted. That's why we have the Supreme Court. But if you want to take a literal, there's an argument for that too. Let's have a discussion. But I think a lot, because you see a lot of those militia groups have gone to ground. You don't hear them talking. You don't see them doing anything. Well, and real recently, I, I'm definitely not a supporter of this man, but uh, one of the Bundy guys recently came out in support of Black Lives Matter. And I was like, well, you know, if if you are a libertarian, a uh, self-avowed libertarian, then uh, how could you not be against the state, uh, you know, overreaching his power and, you know, totally uh, dominating whole communities in, in a police state fashion? I mean, it's, you know, there right. might be some little pockets of hope somewhere, you know? Yeah, there's a consistency well, and, in that. 
and I, I know I know a guy who's a very diehard uh, libertarian, and because of, because of his libertarian beliefs, over he was a Trump supporter, and over time, I think he is still barely, but when he sits down and really thinks about it, he stops because he starts to see everything that the Trump administration did for corporations. And one of the things that he is as a libertarian is anti anti corporate you know, corporatization. Yeah. yeah. Anti monopoly. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Which is which is very much a libertarian point of view. If you don't want the monopoly of the corporation or the monopoly of the state. Every person has the right to create their own, you know, own garden of goodness. But you know, he 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 will fully admit to you that the, the the Trump administration, amongst others, have done incredible things to further the interests of the corporation, and they've corporatized so much. And this idea that you know we we have a we have a national health service, but but they can't seem to arrange for anybody to get tests. You know their 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 big statement was, well, you can go to you know you can go to LabQuest and get a COVID test, and it's like, why do I pay taxes? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So we can have know, all these foreign entanglements and trillions of dollars every year for all this other stuff, but uh, we can't put some resources together to combat this. We spend more money on ammunition in Afghanistan in six months than we take the test every man, woman, and child in the United States. It's crazy. Well, it's crazy, but again, you know, you, you wanted to talk conspiracies. It's like. You're, you know, it's one of those things where we're living in a time where the conspiracy theory has become real. Yes, and that's any, exactly what I've been saying. Yeah, I've been like, yeah. you're right. You're, you're so right. That's the thing, though. But what's, what's ironic about it is like, now is the time, like all this stuff that is happening, but yet people are in denial that anything, like the people that say they're conspiracy theorists, are in denial anything's happening. It's just right. and weird. It's it's backwards. And I would argue to you that the that the proper position of the conspiracy theorist as the, is as the provocateur. Yeah. The conspiracy theorist is the, the person out on the edge that's finding this information, turning around and saying, Okay, something is wrong. We need to take this further. And then somewhere you know, it's picked up by the fourth estate, the journalists, they push it to say, oh, we really are trafficking drugs into South Central LA. And then the politicians, the people become enraged, and then that activates the politicians, and then they put laws in place to prevent it. But the day the conspiracy theorist becomes the, the political advisor is a dangerous one. Yeah. Whether you're to the right or you're to the left or you're down the middle. The day the conspiracy theorist is the political advisor, we have a problem. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop, Olaf. Um, can you tell people where uh, they can see your writings, where Paranoia, Paranoia Mag is, uh, where they can get the secret yeah. cipher, the Euphonauts? <laughs> sure. So you can get the, se- the complete secret cipher, the Euphonauts on Amazon. Uh, just search for a complete secret Cypher the Euphonauts or, or uh, Alan Greenfield. Um, my my book that I wrote eons ago, um, the uh, the Secret Space Age and the Cold War in Space, are both on Amazon. 
apparently magazines on Amazon. Uh, when we print issues, we print issues erratically at the moment. Um, you can go to paranoiamagazine.com. I haven't updated it in a little bit. As I explained, I did a bit of going to ground and, and looking at other stuff to try to let the slip blow over. Um, but you can listen to our podcast, uh, our our no award winning amateur hour podcast, uh, the Paranoia Podcast, which is that's really good. I'm a fan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We have a new one coming out. I'm editing it. Um, but yeah, pretty much paranoiamagazine.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I'm easy to find. Cool. And you do a lot of cooking too. I've been seeing a lot of your your cooking and baking recently, making <laughs> a lot of really delectable desserts. I do, I do. I'm the paranoid baker. Yeah. I made churros. I made churros today. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, I saw that. I one saw of these that. one of these days, um, you know, I was talking to Ron, and uh, one of these days, I want to I want to do paranoiacon. And I, I want to do it radically different than any other conspiracy convention ever. Basically, I'm going to find a reasonably priced place, and they can see, I don't know, 100 people or 200 people. I think I found one that's a little bit out in the boonies, but I think people would go. And basically, you pay 20 bucks, uh, you get Costco pizza, and I'll make a bunch of pies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so... So whacked out conspiracy theorists will donate their time, and uh, we can just have a powwow. Because what I really cool. want to do is have a conspiracy powwow. Sounds um, awesome. There will be pies involved. <laughs> best pies, okay. Maybe in the post-COVID world, we'll make it happen. Yes, sir. I think we should. But you know, you know, I've never, I've only spoken at one one uh, conspiracy convention in my entire life. I spoke at the Secret Space Conference. But I, I decided that if I ever speak in another one, that they have these like rooms where the, the speakers are supposed to sit around and wait. And I figured, you know, I'll make a couple of pies and bring them along. For the green room. For the green room. Cool. Well, maybe that can be uh, it's our, our uh, Strange Realities 2021 when it comes back to real life next year. So well, you'll awesome. have to come to Nashville. Yeah. I've never been to Nashville. Yeah, we need, right, that, we need to make that. We need to make that happen. I mean, the Russians have the I vaccine now, so the Sputnik Five. Yeah, <laughs> and like 17 billion, and they have like 17 billion doses ready right now. It's probably made of hydrochloroquine. I don't know what game they're playing, but okay, that was an, an interesting announcement. I, I don't, I don't want to restart your podcast for you, but they're playing the game that they play, which is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. it's a great yeah. card game. It's called bullshit. <laughs> very much well, so, very right. much so. Right. well thank you uh, Olaf we're going to stay on the line for us uh, we're going to close down yeah. we're going to close this section out and guys we'll be back to close down the show with some information on the Strange Realities Conference on Conspiranormal guys welcome back to get spoon normal very briefly we just want to do some housekeeping items about the yep. strange realities conference i just had that epic conversation with Allah phillips yes we did yes we did uh and we we continued actually on patreon about maybe another what 
35 minutes, I think, where yeah, we talked yeah, about the secret it. space program and mind control and how video games are being used to make uh, super soldiers. It was a really interesting discussion. So you guys go and uh, check that out on Patreon. You can join Conspiranormal. Patreon.com slash Conspiranormal. It's a dollar to get in. And also right now, all the presentations from 2019 Strange Realities are on there. So we want to make an announcement that on August 29th, that's coming up on this coming Saturday from the day that we're posting this. We are going to be streaming, and there's probably going to be some interludes with uh, myself and with Sergio. I would say we'll probably do that. You would think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hang out the whole time, and we'll do some little yeah. interludes, and and maybe have some guests on. We'll we'll see what happens, but um, that's just gonna be in between playing all the presentations from last year. Yeah. Yeah, so check that out. That's going to actually be on the Conspiranormal Facebook page. Um, I may see. I don't know if I can do it with both on the Conspiranormal on the YouTube channel. But so go like the Facebook page. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the best. That's going to be the best way to see it. We're going to be streaming from there. Um, I'll have to figure out the YouTube thing as well. So maybe but I'm not but definitely on this Conspiranormal Facebook page. So that's going to be on August 29th. And I think that's it, guys. Um, again, strangerealitiesconference.com, $20 to go. You guys got 21 speakers, 20 presentations. That's a dollar per presentation spread over three days, September 25th, 26th, and 27th. We got several people that you guys... Everyone that's been on that sh- is everybody that's part of that has been on this show. And these are exclusive presentations for you guys. So hit us up $20. One note about that. Um, if that is going to be streaming to a private Facebook page. And when you sign up for the ticket, you should have gotten a link that takes you to that Facebook page. Now, if you have Facebook, that's no problem. You're just going to ask to get into the group. If you have a different name than what you use to buy the ticket, that you need to message myself or Serfiel that's on there as well. And make sure you message us and let us know the name that you put on the ticket. Now, if you don't have a Facebook page, make one. You can use it just to watch the conference and then do whatever you want with it. So that's very important, guys, that you do that. If you have, I've already got about half the people, I believe, that have bought a ticket, which may be more by the time we actually post this up. But that's that's important to get in to watch the conference on that weekend. So, is there anything that you want to add to that, Sergio? No, just uh, we really look forward to streaming uh, last year's for everyone who couldn't make it. It's going to be really awesome to see that and uh, kind of uh, get you all familiar with the type of material that will be at the uh, 2020 conference. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. We will be back next time. We're going to talk about some interesting, more interesting stuff. Material on Conspiranormal.